Okay, so welcome to chapter three. I still don't know how to work this out, so if there's anything weird going on, uh, it's, it's not me. Anyway, chapter three, we have precedent. Precedent is one of my favorite chapters for some reason. I don't know, it's just very fun. Uh, there's Latin in here, <laughs> so, so it's uh, fun. But we're going to go through my notes this time because uh, I made some for this chapter because equity is easy. Um, so hopefully this takes not as long as um, as equity did because now it made too long. Okay, so today we're going to talk about the judgment, how it is made, the types of precedent, uh, some judicial tool, judicial tool, tools. <laughs> Let's be able to speak as well. Um, some court, the courts of first instance, and then the appellate courts, and then the practice statement. And also how the, uh, and that has to do with the Supreme Court, and then also the Court of Appeal, and then some examples of judicial law. So we'll be going through first, what is precedent? It comes from the Latin maxim, statusis, which uh, the statusis is the judgment. The judgment is made up of two parts, the ratio decidendi, which is what makes precedent, creates and creates precedent. And then we've also got opposite dicta, which is any other details that uh, are important for the case, but are um, but are not they're important for the case, but they don't have um, anything to do with making precedent. So when we're talking about the judgment we also have to take into consideration the fact that they they have to make the split into the two uh different categories of ratio decidenti decidendi and opter dicta in order for uh it to create precedent in order for things to be understand uh, understood so then we have the different types of precedent we have three of these we have the uh Original precedent, we have the binding precedent, and then the persuasive precedent. So we're going to first take into, con- into consideration the binding precedent. So the binding precedent is what... Um, it's something... It's the normal precedent. It's what you see... You see another case, uh, another case seen, and then you're like... And then the... Um, and then the court is like, okay... We must take this into consideration. We must follow this. Um, and also, this might be t- taken into consideration by a lower court as well. And lower courts have to take this into consideration. So, yeah. Then we have the original precedent. So, this is precedent that has not taken place before. Original precedent, we have the Coronary Wolf case, where um, it was held that uh, even though they tried to sue for public nuisance, a private nuisance, they um, enduring TV was not necessary to enjoy your home, so they weren't be able, they were not able to sue, and that decision created a precedent. So the that original decision created a precedent, and then the last form of precedent that we have is a persuasive precedent. Persuasive precedent is my favorite one. We have five different types, so we have to think courts lower in the hierarchy. Decision made by the Judicial Committee of the Privy Council, also made uh, via statements made obiter dicta, which is the decision 
um, which is other things, other things said in the judgment. And we also have a dissenting judgment. And then we have different decisions made by other courts of the Commonwealth, different uh, other countries of the Commonwealth. So there's Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to go through that, um, go through this list um, as we should. So courts low in the hierarchy. So in this case of RVR, the Supreme Court had to follow a decision made by the Court of Appeal when... Um, when a man was found guilty of raping his wife. They had to follow the decision of the Court of Appeal as they agreed with it. So the precedent created by the Court of Appeal was passed on to the Supreme Court, even though the Supreme Court is higher in the hierarchy than the Court of Appeal. Um, Then the decisions made by the Judicial Committee of the Privy Council, we're going to take one into consideration. Um, So... We're going to actually we're going to have to take three. Um, we have the case of R. V. James and R. V. Karimi, where the case was confirmed that um, the court of appeal conf- confirmed that Holly was correct. Holly spelled H O L E Y, um, and Holly is seen. Uh, also taking place in the case of R.V. Muhammad, so you can use that case as well. So R.V. Muhammad uh, is seen uh, is seen where the Court of Appeal followed Holly instead of the uh, instead of the House of Lords. So yes. Now the next one we have the statements made of Obidertikta, reminding you that Obidertikta means. Uh, other statements said, other things said in the judgments, they're not the important ones made uh, made in the ratio dissidenti. So these are other details made into consideration. So uh, R.V. Howell saw the... Um, no, R.V. Gotts saw the statement made by the House of Lords in the R.V. Howell case. So we have R.V. Gotts followed... Obedirdicta of R.V. Howell in the House of Lords. So this, um, in this case, the duress is not available as a defence to attempt the murder. And this was, it was seen in the R.V. Gott's case. Now, the fifth, fourth one that we have is the dissenting judgment. So a dissenting judgment is the judgment that was not agreeing with the rest of the group. And the court saw this and they agreed with the judgments that was uh, the singled out decision. So, um, so the judge that was disagreeing had to explain his reasons for disagreeing, and then this reasoning could be used in later cases. And then the fifth one that we have, we have other decisions um, made of courts in made in courts of other countries. So that's quite um, can comprehend that in the Commonwealth and things like that. Now, we're moving on to the judicial tools. These are ways to avoid precedent. So this is made by the judiciary. Um, This is made, no, not by the judiciary, the judges. This is made by them. So in order for you to remember this, remember the card forward, the card forward, um, as there are four of them and they all start with the letters F-O-R-D. So... We have Ford, 
um, number one, we have following. So first, uh, the judges generally follow decisions made by courts higher in the hierarchy. So that is precedent. They can also overrule those decisions uh, made by a lower court. So when a lower court makes a decision, um, for example, the um, Court of Appeal makes a decision, the Supreme Court, when making that appeal, um, when that appeal is moved up, um, it can overrule that decision. So it is seen that um, in the case of Pepper v. Hart, where it sees on Davis v. Johnson that they did not consult Hansard, um, that they consulted Hansard, they decided in the case of Pepper v. Hart to not consult Hansard. So, yes. Um, they also... The other one, the next, third one, which is basically the exact opposite of overruling, it's reversing, so that's... Um, it is where courts in the higher in the hierarchy overturns a decision made earlier by a lower court, so it overturns it, um, so it reverses it. And then the first one, that, the fourth one that we have is distinguishing. So they try to find things that are different in order for precedent not to have to take place. Um, so um, in the Merit v. Merit case, they try to follow the precedent made in the Balfour v. Balfour case, but they realised that there was no um, intention to create a legal relation in the Balfour v. Balfour case, and therefore the Merit v. Merit case could not follow precedent. So, that is the judicial tools. We go over that again, just a full, just a little overview. That is forward, we have following, overruling, reversing, and then distinguishing. And we have... Uh, two cases that come with it. Davis, uh, Davis v. Johnson uh, followed Hansard and Pepper v. Hart didn't want to follow Hansard with overruling. And then in distinguishing, we have uh, Mary v. Merritt had the intention to create legal relations and Balfour v. Balfour had um, no intention to create legal relations and therefore that is the, the distinguished difference. So now we're going to talk about the courts of first instance. Uh, which are the inferior courts, the inferior courts being um, any courts where an original trial can be held, such as the Mags Court, the County Court, the, Car- the Crown Court, and the High Court. Those are four of them. And then we have the uh, Appellate Court. And those are the ones that they hear uh, appeals, and they uh, those are the ones that usually create, me- create precedent. So these are the Supreme Courts, the Courts of Appeal, and also some divisional courts. So now we're going to talk about the Supreme Court and its creation of the practice statement. The practice statement is um, just a way for people to, for uh, judges in the Supreme Court to be uh, exempt from using precedent and following their own decisions, as they do not have to follow a court of the higher um of higher instance, as there is no cause of high instance, um, but they have the ability to uh, have some sort of um, ability to over, over 
to to overwrite that in a way. So um, it is seen that this took longer to use a practice statement as it was created in 1966 and was only used in for the first time in, if I'm not mistaken, 1986. Um, let me just double check that. Uh, was used for the first time in... Yeah, so as you can see, there was very much debate over its usage as um, there was no clear guideline of how it should be used. So the first time that it was used in civil courts was in 1972, and then the first time that it was used in uh, criminal courts was in 1986. So the first time that it was used in criminal cases was almost 10 years after it was created. So as you can see, it was uh, it's a... It was very controversial. Its usage was very controversial. But it allowed people to have some freedom and it allowed the judge, uh, the judges to have some freedom in, when creating those decisions. Um, so when it was first used in the civil courts is the Harrington v. British Railways Board. And so it's um, enforced the idea the occupier of land owns duty of care. We know that duty of care is um, owing care to the people that tread on the land and in the criminal courts this was in as we said before 1986 the rv jeff case overruled the idea of Atterton and ryan uh with the use of the criminal attempts act that was created um five years before that um so the decision of Atterton and ryan was that um there was intention of criminal attempt, but that cannot happen as the things that the people were smuggling were not um, actual drugs. Now we're going to move on to the Court of Appeal. This is the Civil Division and the Criminal Division. This is seen as, as we can see, that the um, Court of Appeal is bound by the decisions of the Supreme Court. But it is also bound by the decisions of itself. And... It is uh, made that the criminal division and the civil division have to be able to have some hierarchy and have to be able to have some um, able to make their own decisions in a way. And then if the people that are seeking to appeal... Uh, aren't satisfied, then they can move on to the Supreme Court. So it is made in the Human Rights Act of 1994 that they do not have to follow the Supreme Court's past decisions and they can have that sort of uh, hierarchy. So the Civil Division binds the Civil Division and the Criminal Division binds its, the Criminal Division. And as it is seen, that's... Um, that, yeah, that is... Uh, that is that has to do with the Supreme Court, uh, the Court of Appeal. Um, we can use an example of the civil divisions with the R.V. Cooper, the Cooper case, where it bound its own decision. Um, and uh, this is where it was made per incurium. So R.V. Cooper used the decision per incurium. And in the civil, the criminal division, we have... 
if something was misunderstood or misapplied, this happened in the RV Taylor case and they did not have to follow the decision of the lower courts. So that is the last bit about the Court of Appeal. Uh, and then we have the last bit of the chapter, which is what is, uh, how does precedent apply? In, <laughs> does precedent imply judicial lawmaking? So we have three different categories. Um, we have contract law, tort of negligence or tort law and criminal law. And in their own respective manner, we have um, contract law is um, affected by precedent um, as some rules of contract are made by previous cases and are create a precedent like in the Adams v. Lindsell case, where the postal rule is um, put into place. And then also in tort of negligence, which is tort law, we have the Dongyu v. Stevenson case, where the manufacturer owes duty of care to consumers. So again, it's this idea of duty of care. And then in criminal law, we have uh, judicial decisions can make new laws, as in the case of uh, RVR, where marital rape is made um, illegal and can be it exists so precedent is also subordinate to statutes law so therefore if an act is passed which con contradicts the previous decisions precedents will have precedent will not have effect so this is precedent we're going to have another overview of all the uh, points. So we talked about the judgments, so which is their decisis and ratio decidendi. We talked about the types of precedents, the ju judicial tools, which is forward, um, the courts of first instance, uh, the inferior courts and high courts, and also the appellate courts. And then the courts of appeal, uh, the criminal versus, versus the civil courts and their effect by the um, Human Rights Act 1998. And also the Supreme Court's practice statement and also the effect of precedent on judicial law. So that is precedent, chapter four, chapter three. <laughs>